Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Grew up in a small town, and when the rain would fall down, I'd just stare out my window, dreaming of what could be. And if I'd ended up happy, I would pray, trying hard to reach out, but when I tried to speak out, felt like no one could hear me. Wanted to belong here, but something felt so wrong here, so I prayed, I would pray, I could break away. Those words, penned by... 
Bridget Benetay, Matthew Gerard, and Avril Lavigne were most famously sung by the esteemed Miss Kelly Clarkson, who is celebrating a birthday today on April 24th, 2021. Aside from having her name screamed out in pain in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Kelly has been in only one feature film, From Justin to Kelly. Because once you've captured lightning in a bottle, why even bother trying again? We hope she's having a wonderful day, as are you, dear listener. Welcome to Saturday Matinee. And in honor of Kelly's victory as the first ever winner of American Idol, I have joining me the fabulous folk singing duo Mandy and Andy. Hello. It's Mandy Kaplan and Andy Nelson. I just stared out my window. Ooh. I didn't know Avril Lavigne uh, was She is. In She's that. one of the co-writers of that song. All right. See? Look at that. The show's just started. It's a great and song. We've already great. learned something. That's how you know great things are afoot. God love you. So I, my first question is then, uh, what have you guys been watching? You know, I have been, I, I, I feel like I'm on an island as far as my love for the Oscars, because uh, I really love the Oscars. I love uh, just the... I'm here. Okay, there's, okay there are two of oh, us. Okay. There are two of us Hi, in the room. Andy. Hello. Hello, I just friend. haven't seen any of the movies, but I'm going to watch the heck out of the Oscars. Well, I have been watching the movies. I am down sure. to two things. Actually, at this point, I'm at one and a half things left that are available. There are, there are five shorts that are only available if you go to one of the theaters to watch like the little short screenings that they do. But otherwise, mm-hmm. I've watched everything else. I'm down to the one and only Ivan, which I'm going to watch with my son tonight. And I'm halfway through the Italian Pinocchio with um, kind of that the uh, crazy uh, Roberto Benini playing Geppetto. So, you know, I, I, I'm in the dregs of the Oscars at this point, but... But it's been fun, and I, it's weird. I've, I was like, I have never been ever this prepared for the Oscars. I don't know what spurred me on this year, um, but well, you can't go anywhere. Well, that's probably true. Right? That certainly <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. So, uh, but it's been fun. I've been watching a lot of good stuff. So, just playing a lot of catch up. So, you've seen all the all the the major award winners. You've you've seen all ten of the all, like all best eight, picture nominees eight, in that eight best picture. Eight this year, oh, yeah, eight I've this seen year? all of them. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the pictures, uh, performances, the directing, cinematography, music. I even watched, uh, you know, Eurovision Song Contest just for the song. You know, it's. I'm so uh, sorry. You know what, Andy? I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And oh, I, Andy! And I love the now song. I'm not going to watch Life of the Party because <laughs> oh, oh. I can't. I didn't say I, I loved it, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it well enough. I did not. And that song was great. I okay. brought up this on the the episode of Mandemic Mondays that's going to drop on Monday. So I apologize for the Ooh. repeat, but it bears repeating. No, it's a, it's a sneak preview. I am preview. obsessed with the TV show on TBS called Chad. Hmm. Nassim Pedrad playing oh. a 14-year-old boy. She created this show and stars and writes, and it is absolutely hilarious, and she's wonderful. And not only... There have been three episodes and I watch them, but then like I watch them a second time because I'm missing jokes because I'm laughing huh. so much. Really? Yes. Wow. It is. I didn't even know that show existed. I love Nassim Tajwan. Brand She's new great. on TBS. You can't, you can't separate her from this character she has created. Like you can't believe there's a woman in her 30s under there. <laughs> He's Chad is just <laughs> so cringeworthy and amazing. And it, so that's what I've been watching. Interesting. That sounds like an interesting Also, it's genre. just half hours, so I can squeeze it in. It's easy to watch. I'm very busy right. and important, gentlemen. What about you, Kyle? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's actually the, I'm in the same position. I haven't had time to actually watch any movies lately uh, because I've been extremely busy. Uh, but I have started watching a sitcom, and so I'm a little late to the party on this one. But I have started watching Mythic Quest on Apple TV Plus. Uh, I, I had sort of watched the first episode and was not really impressed. I kind of thought like this is just. I don't know, uh, Silicon Valley meets The Office. It's a video game thing. Like, all right. But my friends kept telling me, no, no, it's really good, really funny. And I started watching just sort of at lunchtime, like half an hour as I, as I eat. And then I got to episode five, and everything changed. <laughs> that, that episode is so freaking good that I'm like, okay, you guys just bought yourself another six episodes because I don't know where you're going with this, but I was amazed. They, In their first season, they decided they had a whole other story to tell, and so they told a completely different story that had none of the principal cast. Hmm. They're like, nope, we're just going to wow. tell a side story now. And they just had it told an entire story of another video game company, the rise and fall of this other video game company, and it starred... Um, Charlie Day, uh, I believe, and I'm trying to pull this on the top of my head, and Kristen Milotti. They are not part of the show, but they just put them in. No, no, it's Jake Johansson. I'm sorry, Jake Johansson and Kristen Milotti. They just, like, told a story of, and hired them just to do this one episode, and then they go back to their regular episodes of the next episode. I'm like, what What? What just happened? Like, another like show a, crashed like into the show and then like left. They used to do that on, it you was. know, Mork from Happy Days, and the Golden Girls had, like, right. this whole episode that didn't have the Golden Girls in it. And they tried to spin yeah. it off, and it didn't go with Paul Dooley and Rita Moreno. I know way too much about the Golden Girls. Well, I say I've been talking a lot about Golden Palace oh, recently. Don so, yeah, Cheadle. I'm right with you on that. But I right? feel like, exactly. Kyle, I feel like you buried the lead. What are you having for lunch? <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> oh, man. I've just been working my way through all the fast food things oh. in, the, in the area because I'm working Ooh. from home, and I am too lazy to put something <laughs> in the oven. So I'm just like a... Hitting the hitting all the local shops that are within okay. you know ten minutes to there and ten minutes back, so it doesn't nice. nothing okay. that exciting. Uh, but yeah, but I say I I really I I don't know whether I, I supposedly this ties back in somehow, but just the fact that they would they would just sort of go completely off the beaten path to tell a totally different story and then come back to it and then just like pretend it never happened was sort of so ballsy that I was I was impressed and they uh, I, I'm going to keep following on to see what where they go with it. So that so it's now the third best show on Apple TV Plus. Nice. They've been they've been cranking out some stuff that uh, I think gives them gives people reason to stick with them. Yes. Uh, and I think that's the challenge now with all these different streaming services. Which I mean, I guess to a certain extent is no different than TV shows in the in the days. You know, they need to get the good programming to keep people wanting to change their change the dial to that particular channel. So. Um, so I, I, I've just been, I haven't seen all the stuff on, on what Apple TV plus has been doing, but I, I mm -hmm. feel like every time I hear about another thing, I'm like, God, there's another thing I want to check out. So <laughs> kudos to them. Yeah. They, they have, they, uh, actually have a flagship show now. Like basically Apple has said, okay, you know what? Our show is Ted Lasso. That's what our thing is about because Apple had their big presentation where they're talking about new iPads and new Apple TVs and all this stuff. And the one and only show they mentioned was Ted Lasso and showed a trailer for it. So, like, they understand how good of a thing they have for it uh, by making it part of their official presentation, which we never really have seen before. So, yeah. Ted Lasso, then the second season of that comes out in July. July 23rd. Nice. July 23rd. Yeah, I've already marked my calendar. Awesome. Mandy, you brought Looking up you brought up TV spinoffs, and I just have to throw this out because I find it interesting. Do you either of you know what TV show had the most spinoff series spawned from it? I think it was Happy Days, wasn't it? It wasn't. 
Any other guesses? St. Elsewhere? Uh, no, you know, I know that's always that. St. Elsewhere. That, that's always that show that, that people talk about as the as the cornerstone of that one television show theory, you know, where they say that all television right. shows are actually in, in that, in the that same thing. show. Well, no, but but St. Yeah. Elsewhere was, I believe, a spinoff of uh, St. Uh, Cheers. But it wasn't that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> I say that. that doesn't sound right. Check your facts, Andy. <laughs> it, would it be Star Trek? No, it, it led to the spinoff, the Tortellis. Well, it was a crossover with St. Elsewhere. Sorry. Crossover with St. Oh, Elsewhere. Okay. And, Saint, and Wings actually takes place in the Cheers universe. It's not technically yes. a crossover. But no, Happy Days had Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy, Joni Loves Chachi, Out of the Blue, and Bl- Blansky's Beauties. But it is, in fact, all in the family. That had seven oh. spinoffs. It had Maud, Good and Times, Maud, right? Good Times, the Jeffersons, Jefferson's, checking in, mm-hmm. Archie Bunker's place, Gloria, and Seven O Four Hauser. I haven't even heard God of Seven O Four Hauser. I know, <laughs> crazy, just crazy. So there you go. A little bit of uh, TV tidbits for you. All right. Well, yeah. There's there's a little bit of old news. Now let's get to the new news. So I had a couple of new stories that I found that I, I thought were worth discussing. Uh, the first one is uh, they have announced the trio of directors who are going to be directing the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel. Uh, I know, Mandy, uh, superheroes are not your jam, but have you seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Nope. Okay. Oh, wait. Is that the half? That's animated. the animated one. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I loved it. I saw that one. Yeah, I thought you might have. So yes. that's that's why I thought, yeah. So the, they're making a second one, obviously, Great. because the first one made a ton of money, and it was probably one of the best Spider-Man movies ever made. I would uh, say it's actually the pretty best, exciting yeah. who they have yeah. for the for the trio. Um, it's uh, Joaquin DeSantos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. And it's like, okay, well, who are those guys? Well, uh, Justin. Uh, let's see. I'm sorry. Kemp Powers is actually the one who recently uh, wrote One Night in Miami. Uh, and got an Oscar nomination for Soul. Nice. So already you got some uh, high player. Um, uh, Joaquim Santos uh, worked on three of the best animated uh, series of all time: Avatar: The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, and Justice League Unlimited. Uh, and Justin K. Thompson was actually the production designer of the first Spider Verse movie and worked on Cl- both Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs movies. So like that is a power trio going like into three this directors movie. for one movie. Movie? It's yeah, for an animated movie, yeah. that's not that's not uncommon though. And there were three in the first one as well. I'm curious yeah. though. Do you did you hear anything why the original trilogy of directors uh, or trilogy trio of directors <laughs> did not come back? I did not. I, I would assume that they got big. You know, like that. You know, because that's know. usually what happens on these things is when once they you're the trio, you're like, oh well, well it's bigger I'm than this now. though. I mean, this is. Uh, the sequel is going to be huge. Yeah, but they they also could get solo billing on the next thing. But no, I actually I have not heard why they didn't come back. But I think animated directors tend to burn out just because of hard. And I and I've I've heard that that movie in particular was challenging because yeah. they were changing and cutting and remember right up until I believe they said like two days before the premiere. Like they were still editing and making changes and and getting it ready before they had their final render. Interesting. Just because of their animation style, I guess, made it a lot easier to do than, than uh, like a Pixar or a Disney. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Well, I did just, I was looking him up. I did see that Rodney Rothman, who was one of the originals, he's actually now, uh, sounds like attached to the untitled 21 Jump Street spinoff. So speaking of spinoffs, there, mm. there's a movie spinoff they're going to do there. 
So interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. you know, I'm excited. I love the Spider-Verse movie. I think it, I mean, it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. I, I just couldn't believe how brilliantly they, they told that story. And Miles Morales yeah. mm-hmm. was just, just an incredible, incredibly created character. So um, I can't wait for this. I think that, um, you know, I'll be there uh, opening day when this one, wherever I'm able to finally see this one. Yeah, true. Uh, hopefully by the time it comes out, which is in October of 2022, uh, we will be in a much healthier place where yeah. all we can all just arm in arm go into the movie theater and breathe on each other's faces and it'll be fine <laughs> just like we i'm used looking to do. forward to that i'm gonna go breathe in as many faces as i can is that weird Aww. uh speaking of digital trickery uh the next uh, story i thought was fascinating is uh about army of the dead so Zack snyder's new zombie movie uh taking place in las vegas a, a las vegas that has been overrun by zombies and yet somehow oh, yeah. it's important that you need to get money out of it. I don't know <laughs> why. That's that's the big it, one question is, that both awesome trailers have not answered quite well, yet. Well, this, this is the problem that you run into in every disaster is there are people who are just like, you know what? It's a disaster. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to get rich. And there's, they're right. the ones How who are I stealing the, the, uh, the ATMs out of the gas stations during the hurricanes so. and then getting it, devoured by crocodiles. Like, there, there's bigger issues, that, and where are you going to spend the money when half the population <laughs> is trying to eat you? But I don't know. Maybe maybe they're going to address that, but we'll see. But I hope the so. most exciting thing uh, that I've heard so far about it that may, took the movie from that looks interesting to I have to see this movie is originally uh, a comedian was in it who has been uh, revealed to be kind of a monster. Uh, so they have uh, they, they were like, well, we already shot stuff with him. What are we going to do? I know. Let's digitally replace him with Tig Notaro. <laughs> and already your movie has just gotten 50% better. So yeah, they went through and digitally removed him and added in Tig Notaro over his part in the entire movie. And Is it Louis C.K.? I don't even, I don't know anything oh, about it's, this. No, it's I say I was I was trying not to mention his name to give him more to more hype, but it's Chris Dahlia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, Turns mm-hmm, out that mm-hmm. he was uh, being inappropriate with his fans and wasn't really uh, checking what their ages were. Yes. So, yes. yes. So he uh, needs to take a long, long, deep look at himself. And I've always said Delia. Am I wrong? When I not that I refer to it's him a D lot. It's D with the with the flying thing. Yeah, so I always think it's Delia, but yeah. I actually honestly don't care. Nope. So yeah, let's but, never speak let's, of him again. Exactly. Or you know, like, hopefully he's getting the help he needs because he mm. does need help. But the best mm-hmm. thing is, is now we have more Tignataro and more Tig in the world is a very very good thing. And she looks Fantastic. freaking awesome in this. She, she looks is, bad ass. Yeah. She's, <laughs> cool. Can't wait. Yeah. It'll fa- like but, it'll fun to see her to see her stretch. Yeah. 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 You know. I know. I, I hope that she actually got to work with some of the other actors. They just didn't have her in a green screen for a weekend. A lot of tennis balls. But yeah, I wonder what they went with the shooting. Yeah, I wonder if they went the full, um, you know, the richest man in the world or all the money in the world. I mean, with Christopher Plummer, where they actually did some reshoots, but some of it was just digital replacement. I'm curious. And then Mary Sue had a very uh, fun article talking about how we should just put Tig in all the movies with troublesome people. You know, I love that uh, because Pete and I, after the, the whole thing with Christopher Nolan or Christopher uh, w- of Christopher Plummer replacing mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey and all the money in the world, uh, we per- pretty much started always referring to any Kevin Spacey performance as Christopher Plummer in the role. <laughs> and uh, just because we think that's funny. And yeah. uh, but but now I'm like, God, it'd be fun to just keep doing that, putting him in all these things. But now I love the idea that they're doing it with Tignataro and Tignataro in Ghost Dad. Yeah. yeah. I just, oh, I, think it's I love it. Ghost Dad. Tig part right? six. 
Tignataro <laughs> in any hall with Diane Keaton. It's Tignataro in Baby Driver. I mean, it's great. Let's, well, let's they, they talk going. about putting him in, replacing uh, <laughs> the Army Hammer in Death on the Nile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love very, it. Very funny. So Tignataro uh, in Usual Suspects. I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very it's it, it's an interesting idea. I think that it's it's fun that they're able to kind of play around with these ideas and and yes, you're right. We need more TIG in the world. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Amazon just uh, set a brand new world record, and I don't know it's one that they should be super proud of. Uh, the <laughs> Lord of the Rings television series that's coming out. Uh, we've yet to see a single frame of footage or even a, even a single costume, and yet it has now become the most expensive television show in history. Oof. Because their one season, which we still don't even have an air date for, cost more than the entire run of Game of Thrones. Really? Wow. Yes, I did the math the entire before run? we came on here. Wow. The entire run. Yes, and like the all seven seasons of Game of Thrones cost less than one season of this Lord of the Rings series. Wow. wow. I, I just yeah, don't even know what to say. Half a billion dollars. <laughs> That's how much and Amazon has spent. any of that money is going to get me to watch one frame of this. Are you not a Lord of the Rings fan either? <laughs> no, sir. Okay. I, no. I'm there. I'm totally there. I'm ready to watch it. <laughs> uh, how many episodes is it? Like, I mean... We don't even know. I, I, they I, supposedly, I, really they said, they said 12, but... Wow. This, I don't At know, that we, budget, it should be 150. That's what I was right? going to say. Yeah, right? A lot of episodes. It's like the, the GDP of a country. Oh. Holy cow. Wow. That is, yeah. uh, that's some seriously disturbing amount of Amazon money that uh, Bezos is putting behind it. But hey, I, I still want to watch it. So Yeah, I'm curious to see. I mean, if can you imagine if the show comes out and bombs? I mean, that would be a horrifying thing. I would imagine that they're going to you know, put on another hundred million or something just to fix those issues. <laughs> yeah. Focus groups. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's, let's hope the, the family of J.R. Tolkien is happy because uh, they're the ones who are yeah, uh, green lighting right. this whole thing and allowing it to happen. So hope they get their money's worth. Do, do they, um, do we even have any sense as to what, what stories they're exploring on the show? Has that been announced? Mm, at no, all? That, they haven't even officially That's come all, out, but yeah, uh, I did see an interview with Stephen Colbert, uh, uh -huh. who said he, was introduced to the head of television for Amazon, whatever the official title is. And he then, because he being the huge Lord of the Rings geek, laid out what he thought it was. Like, I bet you're telling the story of, you know, and he like laid down all the stuff about basically the young Aragorn, essentially, like, you know, 200 years before all the events and stuff. And when the rings were still in circulation and Sauron was still, on, you know, the beautiful bright lord and all this stuff. Like, and he like laid out and he said, I bet you that's the story you're telling. And he said, the, the executive just, turned and walked away <laughs> so it's like okay does that mean he was right or i don't want to talk to this nerd colbert made a pretty good case for it so uh, we'll see oh I, I, hopefully we're gonna see something soon because yeah that much you think they put a trailer out then so the last news story i found isn't actually a current news story but i just found it fascinating because it was something i didn't know because it's about ridley scott's 1985 fantasy epic legend starring tom cruise and tim curry I did not realize that it had a different score in different countries. No, not just different countries. It's even like the cuts because you can watch. Yeah, exactly. There's the two. Yeah. The differences between the the two. The longer sort of director's cut has Jerry Goldsmith, but right. the original theatrical release has Tangerine Dream. So you yeah. have a traditional orchestral score and German techno pop. Yep. Hmm. 
I I did not even know that was a thing. And so now I'm like fascinated by this. Andy, can you think of any other movies that have had two scores? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely happens because weird. this is one of those weird things that I, it's never made sense to me. But one of the, quote, cheaper fixes that studios can do when a movie comes along and the focus group just isn't clicking for some reason, one of the cheaper fixes that they can do is get a new score. I don't know why. And oftentimes the original score just completely disappears. That happened with, um, uh, well, actually, I think it was the movie that you had on your list last week, Troy. Um, oh. I can't remember who, I think, was it James Horner who ended up doing the score for that? I believe so, yeah. Um, it was, But Gabrielle Yared orig- wrote the original score, and that's not something that, that you can track down. And so, or maybe it is. So, Some, sometimes these things pop up in these... Well, I, I know, I've heard yeah. of scores getting replaced. I mean, I've heard of, like, that, you know, they recorded an hour of the music, and then they got fired, and somebody else had to come in. It's usually, yeah. like, Hans Zimmer, like, suddenly comes, you know, right. flying in, you know, rippling oh, off of a helicopter like, or whatever. How often do like, we actually get to hear it like in yeah, exactly. context like of the we, movie, and then like released, and then yeah. even with the director's cut, whatever that a totally different person does music for it. And this one, a totally different genre of music. Yeah, I mean, they're both still kind of that fantasy-ish sort of movie. Because I mean, Tangerine Dream was doing a lot of uh, scores at the time, and I, you know, I I think that their music kind of works. I I like I actually like both scores. I think uh, Tangerine. Oh, you've, you've seen both. Oh well, yeah, I mean, I'm a big score collector, and they're uh, Jerry Goldsmith's one of my favorites. As Pete knows, I'm always talking about the ten J's of composing and everything, and, and he's one of them. <laughs> and uh, so I love Jerry Goldsmith's uh, music in general. In Legend is not one of my favorite films, and neither of the mm. scores are one of my favorites. But I find it all very interesting. I find it both scores have interesting elements, and they do different things with the story. Um, I, but yeah, you know, now that I think about it, I can think of examples where a composer's work was put back into a film, mm-hmm. um, or, or I should say extended pieces of it. In fact, like I think Ridley Scott's Alien, like when he did his director's cut, he added some more of Jerry Goldsmith's music, stuff like yeah. that. But I can't, yeah, you may be, well, obviously, it like, may you be, know, Peter Jackson adds another hour of footage back in the thing, so that all has right. to be scored too. I can, so I can think yeah. of that expanded, but never like the... Yeah, different versions of a movie with entirely different musical scores. I'd have to write. I'd have to really dig. I mean, I'm curious about things like you know, there was that version of um, the Exorcist. No, was it the Exorcist or the Omen where they came out with like a prequel? Um, and I think it was Rennie Harlan or Paul Schrader, like one of the two of them, like was originally directing it, and then they took it away from them and gave it to one of the those other two. Uh, guys and so that's something but then they ended up releasing both versions of the movie and so i wonder if they have different scores that would be the only one that comes to mind and i haven't researched it to uh to know for sure but it's a rarity you're right yeah yeah it's it coming up in doing my research for the director's cut episode of take 10 we just put out that, that sort of came around that there's two different versions and i had never really heard of that before so i thought it was worthy of discussion Mandy disagrees. <laughs> no, I just I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I I find that very interesting. Have you ever seen Legend? No. Tom Cruise, nineteen eighty five. Mia Sarah. No. 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 Tim Curry. Tim Curry in one of the, the greatest performances. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. it's, it's worth it's it's worth looking at because it's an interesting kind of film to kind of fit into Ridley Scott's and Tom Cruise's filmography. It's like, oh, this is an odd stop for you both to take. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's again, it's not a favorite of mine, but it certainly is an interesting one. 
That's all I had for news. Uh, let's move into trailers. Andy, you were the first one in there, so tell us about your cyber thriller. I just have to say I'm shocked that I got in there first because Mandy is notoriously the, the one who gets in there oh. first. And so I've had a busy week. I guess yeah. I guess that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So yeah, my film is Profile, and uh, you know this. It's interesting because it looks like a film that would have been shot during COVID. Like the the bulk of the film, it's it's like Zoom calls and you know you know Facebook Live and those sorts of things. Um, we're following an undercover journalist who infiltrates uh, kind of these this Islamic group. Uh, kind of to get into this uh, this terrorist organization, or trying to figure out is this does it lead to this terrorist organization? All this, and she's she's kind of drawn in by this very handsome, very charming recruiter who's who seems great, but she also has you know is, is he dangerous? But she's got a boyfriend and all this sort of stuff, and and it's it's like those worlds start colliding as we often see in stories like this. Um, I was really surprised as I was researching this that it was actually made in 2018, long before COVID, long before they needed to film something like this. So that really surprised me. Um, but it's, uh, Tim, I'm going to butcher his name, Timur Bekmambatov, who is uh, an Russian. interesting Russian yeah. director, yeah, who did the uh, that interesting pair of films, Day Watch and Night Watch. Yes. And then... Um, and Wanted. And wanted, and then I believe he also was he the one who was behind uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? I think so. I think yeah. he did that one too. So a very interesting, stylish, big director who does all sorts of uh, kind of effects films and and mm -hmm. things like that. And now he's doing this, and I'm really curious because it totally is kind of a change of pace for him. The best journalist we have. I need something that's going to get people talking now. I might have something. I've been investigating a story about young women being recruited by extremists over social media. This is brilliant. When I grow up. How do you make contact? I created a fake profile, posing as a young convert to lure one of the recruiters to me. I'm going to share my screen. Kind of hot. Do you think? <laughs> the IT guys can record your desktop. Amy, tattoos are prohibited. Can you see the tattoo? No. Ready to go. He's calling. And I'm going to record it all. Salam alaikum, my sister. Tell me about you. You're beautiful. In the beginning, he would be testing the waters. He's a hunter. He wants to seduce me first. I love you! Only then will he give me a guide into the recruitment process. Come here. I'll give you everything you need. A whole new life. A very happy one. You have to believe me. It's paradise. If I want to come to Syria, what do I need to do? You're making me feel happy right now. Are you falling in love with him? It's all just part of the recruitment process. Ah, uh, Baker. What's the training program like for converts like us? Hey, baby. What are you looking at? Nothing, I'm looking at you. You wouldn't lie to me, would you? Uh, I thought it was an excellent trailer, and I was immediately hooked, cared, wanted to see how it turns out. Very charmed by the recruiter. He seems like, this seems like a really <laughs> interesting performance. I've, I've never seen him before. But somebody, I don't know if it was a title card or something that they said, like, filmmaking like you've never seen before or ground groundbreaking filmmaking but from frame one i was like oh it's just like that movie searching right <laughs> and then then at the very end it said from the folks that brought you searching 
Right. And I'm like, so why are you saying it's like nothing we've ever seen before when we, so that I guess bumped for me because this is not groundbreaking anymore. Now we have seen movies that take place on computer screens with the, you know, Zooming and Facebooking and all of that. And that's okay. And I totally thought it was a COVID film. So I'm definitely going to see it. What was the, what was the horror movie that was like, that was at host? No, it wasn't. Oh, but I know what you're talking about. No. Yeah. I know what you mean. I can't remember. Something about friends or like. Yeah. It was when all the friends got together and they do like a seance on Zoom and then they start getting haunted. Yeah. But so good choice, Andy. I can't wait for it. Yeah. Pretty interesting. It's Shazad Latif was the guy you're talking about. And he was in the second best exotic Marigold Hotel. Uh, Well, yes, Mm -hmm. but that's not what we know him from. We know him from Star Trek Discovery. Because he played Ash Tyler on that. Right. Uh, that was oh. huge on that. Uh, he was also in Penny Dreadful. Uh, he played the very, very underwritten Dr. Henry Jekyll. Hmm. Because he never turned into Hyde. So, like, what was the point of even having Dr. Jekyll That's around? Really funny. Gonna, yeah. Strange. So uh, funny. What did you think of it, Kyle? Show. Did you? Uh, I liked it. I, 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 I have not seen Searching, uh, but I'm still confused by watching someone's computer screen as a movie. Like, I, I, I don't know if that would work. Like, I, I like, I like the idea that they're, they're going with here. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Shazad already. Um, but I don't know if this is sustainable for 90 minutes where it's like you're just watching chat windows and stuff going through. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess if there was a limitations always uh, lead to creativity. So, I mean, I, I'm willing to give it an open mind, but I, I'm curious to see if it actually can be done because I kind of feel like Tamur is, sort of limiting himself because like when you've seen, you know, a vampire driving a a hot rod on the side of a building and then the next one is a guy's search history, you kind of go, what happened? Because he's such a visual dynamic director. I I don't know. Just moving boxes around. Is that exciting? But it allows him to like try something new. And that's what I think is, uh, is exciting. So I don't know. Color me excited. We'll see. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, say, about we'll, this we'll, one. we'll see if it actually it works out. Yeah. I do. I, I do remember just because I'm a font nerd. Uh, the <laughs> Daywatch, the when they put out in America, had some of the best subtitles in movies ever because oh. they actually animated them. Interesting. Like that's the thing that, that annoys me when they when they bring a foreign film over and they just put like white Helvetica just pop it on the screen. But that one actually they would like they would it would like pour onto the screen and they would dissolve away. Like they like really? whoever did that really put a lot of work into that. And I appreciated that. And not enough companies do that when they bring a foreign film over. Yeah. They just have somebody type it out and then just add to add to frame. That's cause that's because it's one of those line items that you don't really budget much for. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, well, this opens May 14th, uh, so uh, you'll be able to see it in theaters and uh, possibly streaming. At this point, it just says uh, in theaters May 14th, so I guess I'm curious. And just to clarify, it was host that that we were talking about. Well, I was right. You were right. Cool. Yeah. I know there's The Host, which is a whole different movie, which is also fantastic, but host. Okay. Yeah, I think we talked about that on a previous set, Matt, too. Yeah. Uh, So I'm up next, uh, and I made Mandy watch a superhero trailer. (laughs) Yeah. I gave you 10 years to live your life. Now you see me rise. And where did that get you? You walked in my shadow. (laughs) 
trained you to the most dangerous people in the world couldn't kill you son it's time for you to take your place by my side so my trailer was Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This is going to be the not the next Marvel movie, but the next next after that. And this is actually a trailer long delayed because of weird COVID. This movie has moved around a lot. They didn't know where it was going to land. And so now it's coming out September, and here it is April. And just by the, the math, you, you're expecting this sooner. But it was worth the wait uh, because it looks really, really good. Uh, an amazing cast. You've got uh, Aquafina. Is, is back again. She's really uh, doing great stuff for Disney right now. They seem to really enjoy her, uh, and so she's been doing a lot of fun stuff. Uh, so I'm highly looking forward to it. I'll I'll be doing my deep nerdy dive to it on the live show. Uh, so you can, if you're interested in that, you can go check it out. So I won't, I won't bore you with all of my um, weird details that I picked down there too. But what did you guys think of the trailer? Oh, you know me. It's uh, I mean I'm a big fan of the Marvel movies. I have a lot of fun with that and. Um, this is a property that I've been excited about since I heard that they were doing it. And yeah. uh, and I really love that they cast uh, Simu Liu uh, to play yeah. Shang-Chi, who I think is so funny. And if you haven't seen Kim's Convenience, you need to check that show out. It is such a funny show. I really enjoy it, uh, which I think is, is that the still on Canadian, yeah, that, the it Canadian is? Convenience that's Store. That's the, if you love Shit's Creek, you'll love this. Yes. That's what people think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Got a it. very, very funny show. And he's great in it it's a just a fun show period and but i'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do here um it's it, i don't know i i can't wait i think that it's going to be really fun to see this this new exploration of the 10 rings you know which yeah um you know i spent a lot of time talking about back in the first season of marvel oh, yes. minutes, so it'll be yes. nice to see how it evolves now um yeah i i wish i, <laughs> I, I <laughs> god i'm such a, a spoil sport i looked very cool the fighting looks incredible. It looked very stylish and sleek and exciting. But, uh, you know, I'm not into action movies. So, uh, Can and, I... and I definitely eye rolled at Aquafina. I have to be honest, I'm oh, a little right. Aquafina out. And, Andy, we watched uh, Breaking News in we did. Yuma, yeah. Yuba County, yeah. right? Yep. So <laughs> you understand I'm a little resentful of Aquafina <laughs> at the moment. Um, I need a break from her. but. Uh, you know, I I watched it with that sense of like, oh, this looks really cool for people who like Marvel movies. This looks fantastic. Can I tempt you by saying that Destin Daniel Crenton is directing it, who did Short Term yeah. Twelve, which I think is one and of and the, just mercy, just fantastic films. Who did what with the who and the what? I did what you see the, the film Short Term Twelve? No. Oh, you need to watch that. Um, that's about a, a a bunch of staff who work at a like a treatment facility who are mm-hmm. dealing with. Um, just kind of like the people in the treatment facility, and particularly hmm. Brie Larson's character is uh, dealing with her uh, coworker who and boyfriend and stuff yeah. like that. But Brie Larson, uh, Rami Malek was in it, and mm-hmm. Lakeith Stanfield. Um, oh, oh God, I love him. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Check it out. It's, I do. It's a it's a powerful film that has nothing to do with superheroes. Uh, <laughs> so even if you're not interested in in short term, this well, check I'm that on. out. Yeah, I did see. A meme that this movie reminded me of. I mean, it looks like a lot of these actors are doing their own fighting. Am mm-hmm. I inaccurate about that? No, you're correct. And I saw this cute meme, and I'm sure it's really old and everybody has seen it, of like Brad Pitt sitting with his 
body double, uh, not body double, stuntman having coffee. And then there's one of like a Helmsworth and mm-hmm. his stunt double having coffee. And it's like leading men and their stunt doubles. And you scroll and you get to the bottom and it's just Jackie Chan. And he's like, <laughs> all by himself. And I love him. And I was like, that's so cool. Like he's, you know, so I have a, a definite admiration for martial arts and for the artistry of it. So, well, that's what looks interesting about this. Like when the, when we go into some of like the big, more fantastical fights and stuff, it it mm-hmm. ends up taking on this this look that feels very much like kind of those bigger martial arts films or the type of, of films that uh, Zhang Yimou was doing with like Hero yeah. and those sorts yeah. of films. So. It has the, there's definitely some wushu yeah. there at the at the start uh, where they're going to be seeing some fantastical stuff, and then we have you know just a straight street fight on a bus as it's careening through the yeah. streets of San Francisco. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I'm looking really forward to that. So that's coming out September 3rd. And also at the end of the trailer, it said only in theaters. So I don't think we're actually going to get premiere access for this one. I think we're actually going to have to drag our butts to a movie theater in order to we'll see. see it. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. We'll see. I, I, we'll see. Yeah. Obviously, they changed their mind on Black Widow a couple of times. So. Exactly. We'll see what happens. Awesome. So, cool. so uh, a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, you had a trailer about Sasquatch. I did. And now Mandy has wants to tell us a little bit about Bigfoot. <laughs> I I want to be just like Andy. That's, <laughs> Don't that's we all? all that's my thing. main goal in life. So I found a trailer uh, that was intriguing to me. It is very. I don't know if you would say cinema verite. It looks very much like Blair Witch Project. It looks very much like it was made during COVID. And I could be Mm. wrong. I didn't research it because I'm a terrible person. (laughs) But it is called 15 Things You Didn't Know About Bigfoot. Number one will blow your mind. Hear that? Something is watching us. You got this, right? When we set out this morning, none of us could have predicted a dead body. And just by chance, we have... Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. So we're here in Georgia at the largest Bigfoot convention in the Southeast. Well, here she is. I know she looks kind of small, but she'll fit the two of you real comfortably. Fit us for what? For the field expedition tonight. Did Shane approve this? Who is this guy? What is up, YouTube? It's your boy, the Cryptid Commander, hunting the Sasquatch himself. While our first day had been fun, we were beginning to wonder if our guide was reliable. Man, Jeff, I pulled out the map. I asked you if that's where we turned, and you said yes. Shut up! Because I'm pretty sure we're in the path of a Bigfoot right now, and we don't want to disturb it. It is directed by Zach... Lamplu, I'm not quite sure how to say his name. And it looks really funny and clever. And uh, the premise is that these are Bigfoot hunters and they go out and there's a, an ominous voiceover about like, the first night we went out, we saw a dead body. But then it immediately turns comedic and one of them is puking aggressively <laughs> projectile vomiting <laughs> from seeing the dead body. And it the first Chiron is like brought to you by filmmakers you've never heard of. I always appreciate that self-deprecating nod. Mm-hmm. Um, and just when I thought, uh, I know they made it for $1.73, you can tell, oh, which yeah. I admire and I have no problem with whatsoever. Sure. Just when I thought, oh, it's really just two dudes with a camera following them around. Then all of a sudden there are other people introduced and of course, deliverance references. And mm-hmm. But it, I was like, just where I needed it, they brought in a world. That was just more than these two dudes in the woods. So I'm curious. It looks funny. 
It has 6.6 on IMDb. That's a thing, right? The, it reaches the end scale. So well, no, it's Pete's Pete's six star rolls is what All right. that is. So yeah. I'm curious. 15 things you didn't know about Bigfoot. Number one will blow your mind. Mm-hmm. And it comes out May 7th streaming. I just have to say I love the title. The fact that they're <laughs> they're playing into that whole clickbait type of title, yeah. mm-hmm. it yeah. just it's just I don't know. It makes me laugh, and I I, I have there's something that I, I don't know why I'm drawn to Bigfoot stories, but um, <laughs> and it's funny I'm drawn to them, but I so rarely watch them. But I, I always I'm like, gosh, that could be a really cool concept. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, is this going to actually be a cool concept, or will I watch it and go, yeah, it was it was it was cheaply made and entertaining enough like i feel like Mm -hmm. if i can get that out of it then at least they did their job mission accomplished it is 83 minutes long so they're not going to overstay their welcome (laughs) true that's always Uh, you know but i also like the like the fact that it has shades of blair witch i mean that's that's intentional i think but then you see the monster so like the uh, bigfoot actually is in the movie so it's not going to be one of these a bunch of guys wandering around through the woods and we never actually get to see the titular character Uh, Mm -hmm. we actually get to see him uh, i think on screen killing someone so uh it does turn (laughs) into a monster movie at some point but yeah am i I the only one who wants to giggle because you said titular (laughs) You, you know, if you Hello. want to giggle, Mandy, you go ahead. Hello. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I like. I feel the same way. Like, you know, basically, they had a couple guys and a camera and a fur suit. Let's go make a movie. Great, right? Uh, you know. So, yeah, I think the original title, I think, there was the Vice Guide to Bigfoot. So they definitely made the right choice in changing the title. Uh, but yeah, it should be. It could be fun. Uh, you know, a a sort of simple, down and dirty comedy. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Looks like a directorial debut, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think he had worked on Squidbillies before, so if you were a fan of that show. (laughs) Never heard of that one. (laughs) Oh, really? That's from the Adult Swim days? No? They passed you both by? Okay. (laughs) Okay, all right. So uh, this is normally where there'd be a brand new game, but I decided to do something a little different because I was feeling more creative. So I put out a challenge to both Mandy and Andy, uh, and I said, I would like you to build a film festival. To pick five movies that you think people should watch in the order that you should watch them and then talk a little bit about why they you picked these movies and wanted to watch them like this. So, Andy, you had the first trailer, so you can go first, but you, you can defer if you'd like to because I know you were a little nervous about uh, having <laughs> enough time to have a, a quality was. film festival put together. I was, uh, but it was one of those ones where it was like, once I clicked with an idea, I'm like, oh, okay, I can run with this, and I put it yeah, together in like five minutes. That's what so. I hope would happen. <laughs> so it all worked. Um, it, I... I I had a lot of fun with this, and I actually went so far as to time like time it out. So oh, we're starting at we're starting Boy. at seven p.m. It's going to be a, a an all night film festival, so we're going to be watching at night, which is uh, it's going to be fun. We're starting with a Korean film, and I, I, are we supposed to say our themes at this point, or are we if gonna... you'd like to, you can you can present however you'd like. Well, the theme for mine is an evening with Satan. Or, or or the devils, or however you want to look at it. But we're going to start off with a Korean film called The Wailing, which Ooh. is, I mean, it is a really creepy, uh, it, it starts off like as a, a police investigation film as they're, they go to this little village and they're trying to figure out like there's like mysterious deaths and 
this illness that's going around. And um, he's also trying to like help his daughter who's who's sick. And the story kind of um, unfolds as like there's these strangers and and all of these you know people keep getting sick and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then he gets involved and and it's just it's it's a very haunting film. Like the atmosphere was incredibly incredibly creepy and. Um, and, and, you know, I wanted to start with a foreign film. I know some people don't like subtitles and I'm like, well, let's start with that first. People aren't going to be sleepy. They won't have a problem with reading the <laughs> subtitles at seven o'clock at night. We'll kick that off. It's a really good mo- movie. It's very creepy. And I'm like, you know, that's a great way to kind of start things off um, where it ends. You know, and again, I think because it's, you know, evening with the devil, a lot of these films are going to end uh, with fairly dark endings. And so... No, this one, right? <laughs> this one definitely does. It's it's very dark, but um, it's. I think it's going to be a fun one to kick things off. So that's my that's where I'm starting. The Wailing, seven o'clock. I say you want to just do your whole. Oh, are, are, I thought we were going to go around. Yeah. Okay, so oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, so I'm going to start we'll, off. We'll keep it running. You you got sure, you sure. got us hooked now. So okay. tell us what happens. Next. Okay, so then we're going to jump into. And we'll see now. I don't have my all my things because I was going to use oh, your time. You're going to use the time. Is it Dan Yankees? <laughs> the Bob no. Fosse musical. Okay. So next up, we're going to be looking at Osgood Perkins' film, The Black Coat's Daughter, which is a really it's a quieter film. It's more of kind of a psychological horror thriller where you have some Catholic schoolgirls. Um, it's winter break, and they're left behind at their boarding school. Um, because like, for whatever reason or another, there's a, a couple of them. There's two of them. They're they're basically stuck there the whole time. And it's this it's this boarding school where you start getting this sense that the nuns are actually Satanists. And there's this whole kind of creepy vibe that starts happening as you start suspecting like what's going on, you know, with these characters and everything. And and it's a really interesting structure. You start with one girl and you kind of get her story, and then you go to the other girl and you get her story, and then you get this this third character and the last part is her story, but like they start getting weird phone calls where it's like this deep kind of creepy voice on the line. And it's like, is it the devil and start seeing figures and it ends up in the basement and there's like creepy stuff going on with the, the boiler room down there. Um, really terrifying, quiet film, but I think that's a great one to come off of the whaling. So that's number two. Number three, we're going to jump back in time a little bit, and we're going to visit the early days in America. We're going to look at 2015's The Witch, directed by Robert Eggers. This is uh, definitely kind of a witchcraft sort of movie uh, that takes place in the 1600s. And it's a Puritan family and uh, with a really creepy goat <laughs> that became <laughs> very uh, popular. The whole idea of black creepy Phillip. goat is my whole film festival theme. Oh, is it? Well, <laughs> oh, I, wow. I'm sure Spoilers. Black Spoiler Phillip from mine can hop on yours. Black Philip? Black, that's right. <laughs> is that so, the name of the goat? Uh, that's Black Philip, yeah. And, okay. Uh, so we have Black Philip. And, but then this daughter, um, who this is the first film that I saw Anya Taylor Joy in, she <laughs> is kind of. You know, it's. It, I mean, her, their family is really religious and very strict, and all this stuff. And so, um, it's there's a lot of kind of drama about kind of the psychology of the of the religion and everything, and and all of this stuff about kind of staying religious and everything. And it, and then it turns into kind of like the story of her um, thinking that she's a witch, and and like the the way that the story progresses with the family and everything, and and. Uh, 
it builds to a really fantastically kind of trippy ending um, uh, around a witch's Sabbath and a bonfire. And I'll just leave it there. It's uh, really... <laughs> Fantastic and creepy film. We're going to be watching that. I didn't say Black Coat's Daughter. That's 945. Uh, the Witch, this is a perfect one to kind of cross the midnight threshold. We'll be watching this from 1130 to 115. At 115, we're kicking in with uh, one of my favorite films of John Carpenter. Carpenter. It's uh, Prince of Darkness, which oh. uh, is, uh, I just, I don't know why I am so drawn to this film. It, it, it's There's something so creepy about um, in this particular case, it's a it's a professor and who gets a bunch of students together to study in this kind of this old monastery where they think there was this thing called the Brotherhood of Sleep, this order that could communicate through dreams and stuff, and and so they start studying there. But as they're kind of kind of checking things out, like these homeless people in the area, they keep seeing them like standing outside and just staring, and that always creeps me out more than anything when you have a large group of people who just stand and stare at you. I don't like that. <laughs> it's very that was uncomfortable. in the Venom trailer that, that love it. Maybe had. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's super creepy. And so they have this whole idea of this force of evil, this anti-god. And, you know, it's just like you got like this green ooze like squirting out of, uh, out of this uh, kind of thing into people. And this girl gets it. She's transformed into this, you know, devil being and it just it just kind of goes and goes and it builds to an end where theoretically things are okay. But, you know, you're not quite sure as the way the ending is portrayed. So um, that's uh, that's my next one. That's uh, Prince of Darkness kicking in at 1.15, ending about 3 a.m. And this is our final film. And, you know, I wanted to end with some fun and just complete utter craziness, uh, even though it is still about the end of the world. It is, of course, this is the end. Uh, Seth Rogen's oh, film that nice is uh, <laughs> about old friends, uh, Seth and uh, and Jay Baruchel playing themselves, or versions of themselves, I guess you could say. They go to James Franco's house, and uh, just at the same time, like, the rapture happens, and some people start getting sucked up into the heavens through blue beams of light. Meanwhile, they're still all stuck here. L.A having earthquakes and fallen to craziness and demons start appearing and you just have all sorts of it. Emma Watson comes in, Rihanna comes in. <laughs> she sure does. Channing Tatum yeah. is the gift that, <laughs> that Danny uh, uh, Danny McBride has. Uh, Satan oh. comes out of the ground and everything and, and yeah, it's just, it was... I had so much fun watching this movie. It is a riot. And I think it's a perfect way to end the movie. We walk out of the theater at 4.15 uh, with uh, with some laughs. So there and is no my... no bathroom breaks. No, well, yeah. <laughs> very few, yeah. So that's A Night with the Devil. There you go. All right. Very nice. I like that. Yeah, that, I think uh, that was a nice way to end it, too, because everybody is creeped out and sleep deprived. I, exactly. You hit them with this is the end. And, I was debating, like, do I go really weird at the end? And like, nice. you know, do I? But I was like, you know what? I need to have some levity at the end. So yeah, it's a fun one. All right. All right. And nice that's job. the only thing that we have in common. Oh, wait, is it my turn? No, it's sure. No, no. I'm, I'm, hey, if you, that, oh, you, you so sound rude. like you're making a professional transition <laughs> there. So I was. I found a, a way to segue. Do it. Because mine ends with a palate cleansing comedy as well. Oh, well, great. well and that's the that. only thing we have in common <laughs> at all. Mine is much more mainstream, which anybody who's been listening to Satmap would would get that that's my taste. Uh, and in this time of isolation and feeling quarantined and lonely, my the theme of my 
film festival is ensemble casts mm. where oh, everybody's like together and equal and lots of, they all happen to have lots of great soundtracks too or three of them but uh <laughs> so the first one with one of the best soundtracks of all time unequivocally one of my favorite movies of all time we're starting with the big chill oh, there's okay. I, I mean there are very few movies that are this perfect in my mind it's just well written well crafted well acted and it will give you that feeling of being with your friends which we also desperately need these days mm-hmm. and you're right um, great soundtrack Mm-hmm. Oh, one of the best. Yeah. And then uh, moving on to my favorite movie, pre-Big Chill, my favorite ensemble movie. I think it was probably all of our favorite movies in our childhood, because I think we're the same age, in our teen years, The Breakfast Club. Oh, of course. Now, in this movie, they're all trapped together. So it's a, <laughs> they, are against, they are together against their will, but they form these bonds, you guys. And she presses that little earring into his hand at the end, and everything is right with the world for just one Saturday at New Trier High. So I love the connections, the human connections in Breakfast Club. Uh, that's yeah, that's a strong one. That's that's one that I'm like, I feel like my daughter's getting to the point where I could almost show it to her. I I oh. showed it to my daughter too early. Yeah. I yes. took her when she was eleven. Mm. You, too early and, yeah too early too early yeah, yeah like, what's, I was, what's, I, yeah because i was i i had thought like i had sort of forgotten like what the language is like in it i was thinking yeah. of the the tbs sanitized version which i had yeah. probably seen more than anything else and I, my was in there shorts. Going, oh i made socks, a terrible right? mistake but she ended up loving it she's one oh. of her favorite movies because she was like and she's they were in jail so, now so it worked out <laughs> she was like they're so they were so real like yeah. they were so oh. sincere but i'm like i'm like oh okay well you know, not, awesome. not being taken away by Child Protective Services, so. Yes, but. it's a fantastic movie. And it for me, it leads into a much sleeker, still a great soundtrack. Uh, another ensemble movie that is just fun all around. It ain't deep. It's not going to make you think, but it's Ocean's Eleven. Oh, the Jerry Weintraub. All-time not, favorite not movies. the original, but... Yeah. Uh, it's just fun. And every person in it has such moments to shine. Every member of that cast, you're like, oh, oh, this is my favorite thing he says. No, 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 wait. This is my favorite thing he says. It's <laughs> yeah. just a fun movie, which we did just show to my kid. Oh, and, nice. And um, really fun. And just when you're thinking like, oh, this is good. I'm having fun. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to make you cry. Uh-oh. Because I'm bringing Steel Magnolia oh. to my film festival. With Is that Wheezy? Is that Wheezy's in that one? Weezer, Weezer. and yeah, yeah, it's uh, the greatest female cast. Even Daryl Hannah is good in this movie. That's an accomplishment. (laughs) This movie, this cast, this dialogue, it's such a beautiful slice of life. It just makes you appreciate friendship and and life. And and it will make you cry. And if it doesn't, you have no soul. So then, for yeah, my I, last I just film, have to say, my dad took me to that one. My dad took oh, me and my wow. sister to that one. I was, I, I don't think I thought of stuff like that at the time, but now I'm like, way to go, dad. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. pretty awesome. It's so good. Uh, and when you're feeling gutted and you just need to laugh, the last ensemble film of my ensemble film festival is Clue. It's just fun. Come on, Mandy. Flames on the side of my face. (laughs) Burning. 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 (laughs) So, yeah, I just thought that's what you want to leave with. Now, that's the one that doesn't have a great soundtrack. 
Oh, I don't know. I love the music. I think the music's great. You got you got um shaboom shaboom, you know. Life could be a dream. Yep. All right. Nice. Excellent choice. Well, yours is certainly more fun than mine. Well, they're very, very different. They're very different. I'll go to both of them. How's that? Mine will be filled with all my gay friends and it'll be fabulous and so Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mine's gonna sort of split the difference between the two of yours because mine is uh, reflections on black exploitation. Oh, uh, wow. my okay. first movie is Foxy Brown from 1974, starring the that. amazing Pam Greer. Uh, this this trailer is unbelievable. You need to do it because the whole thing is narrated in rhyme. So it's like the guy <laughs> when Foxy Brown comes to town, all the brothers gather around and it just goes on and on and on. And then it ends with have no fear. Pam Greer is here. So nice. the, the synopsis on IMDb says a voluptuous black vigilante takes a job as a high class prostitute in order to get revenge on the mobsters who murdered her boyfriend. So subtlety is out the window here. This is I mean, this is <laughs> these are down and dirty filmmaking, sex, drugs, violence. Murder. I mean, everything is is on the table here. So you know, put your sensibilities aside and step back into the dirtiest part of the '70s in terms of filmmaking, uh, and it, you can have a good time. Uh, this was written directed by Jack Hill, who did a bunch of these right in a row. Actually, I think uh, her first movie, Coffee, was done almost in the same year. So, like, I think they shot all these movies within like a couple of weeks, and then they would just do it, turn around, and do it again. Uh, and so it it remains in the and it. Uh, also has Sid Haig, which will be important later on. He recently, recently lost him, but uh, he is a, a part of this because uh, a big fan of this film made sort of a light homage to it in 1997. And then my next film is Jackie Brown. So following on with Pam Greer, we get to see her then 20 some odd years later. You know, stepping back into this thing, and there's a lot of homages to it, including Sid Haig, who also shows up as a, in a cameo in this because of his role in Foxy Brown, one of Quentin Tantino's favorite movies. So this was adapted by from Rum Punch by Elmore Leonard. It has a ton of uh, '70s exploitation, and of course, full of Quentin Tarantinoisms. Uh, Quentin says that this is the first time he felt like an adult director because this is a story about adults doing adult things as opposed to you know, Reservoir Dogs, which is kind of like young guys running around shooting each other. Uh, this is a much more calmer version. So I say overlong, but you know it is much more of a meditation on getting older uh, and that stuff. For a, for a young filmmaker, it was it was pretty amazing. So having those two sort of back to back, I thought was interesting to see. Also see an actress twenty years difference between the two different roles. Uh, yeah. and see how she had progressed and stuff too. Anyone who says she, that it's too long is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so that's that's a movie that when I remember seeing it. Coming off of Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, I was like, "Oh, come on!" But like now, you when you know, I revisited it, I kind of went, "Oh, I see." Like I was yeah. just expecting something that he yeah. wasn't there to do. He was right, he's right. telling a different kind of story, uh, and I it's it ends up being one of my uh, favorite of his movies. Uh, so following that, uh, we go to a very very modern movie from 2019. Dolomite is my name. Uh, so this is Eddie Murphy's uh, playing the real-life legend Rudy Ray Moore. Uh, let's see. A quote from IDB says, A comedy and rap pioneer who proved naysayers wrong when his hilarious, obscene, kung-fu-fighting alter-ego Dolomite became a 1970s black exploitation phenomenon. This is a fabulous movie. Really, really funny. And tells a story that I had not heard at all before. Uh, this is one of Eddie Murphy's best roles because he... Eddie Murphy, I think, is at his best 
these days when he allows himself to be vulnerable, which is very, very rare. And like to see him portraying an aging comedian who's sort of at the end of what what he's wanting to to do and trying to put something together just out of sheer will and spite. Uh, it was it was really really good. And it's done by the same guys who wrote Ed Wood, so it's that same kind of idea of a of a filmmaker who's just desperate to get their story told and do it. So then of course I follow that with dolomite i think this is the way to see it because once you see sort of the fictionalized version of how the movie was made then when you watch the movie it's funnier on a different place because you kind of understand the the behind the scenes thing of like you know when these guys are fighting right behind and there's four guys holding up the wall literally so it doesn't fall over because they couldn't afford to fix the set uh you know those those kind of things so that's that's from 1975 uh and Getting to know, uh, like, oh, that's the guy that uh, Wesley Snipes plays. That's the guy that you know that Keenan Michael Key plays. Like those those kind of things. I think it's fun. And so uh, once you've done that, then to wrap the the same kind of thing, a palate cleanser, a fun movie, Black Dynamite. So from two thousand and nine, <laughs> this was a a comedy like a Naked Gun style version of a black exploitation movie. And one of the funniest things about it is it's intended to be bad. So the idea is this is an artifact from that time period that has been lost and brought back in time. There's so many great filmmaking gags in it. Like it one scene, um, the, Black Knight stands up when he wasn't supposed to, and the camera has to follow him up, and he hits his head against the, the boom mic, and the boom mic stays in the shot. So he's doing this whole monologue speech, and he keeps looking up at the mic, which is touching his hair. Like, <laughs> are you ever going to move that? Like, multiple times as he's doing this powerful speech about the drugs in our community, he keeps looking up, and, the thing, and like... That's the take they decided to use in the movie. I mean, uh, you know, one of my favorite gags in it is um, one of the stuntmen. I think they have one of the uh, the lead actors actually punches a stuntman, and the stuntman stops like and like starts to go after him, and they cut immediately, and it's another another stuntman in the same outfit. Like they basically have replaced him, and they continue the fight scene. I nice. mean, just. It's so funny. Uh, and, and obviously, having seen a couple of exploitation movies earlier in the night, you'll have a whole different appreciation for it, too. It was one of my favorite movies, and I think this is the way to take all the way through. So this is that is my film festival, my reflections on black exploitations. Awesome. You know, we're doing uh, Dolomite is my name as our April member bonus episode. So. Oh, that's a great. It's a, it's a I, great one. I, I just that's one I, of those things that I just discovered on Netflix and watched and and really really loved it. I just watched the original Dolomite uh, for mm. for kind of prep, and I, I'm going to yeah. try checking out a couple more of Rudy, Rudy Ray Moore's films if I can. But um, I'm very much looking forward to it and talking about it with Pete. So it should be fun. I I think this is a fantastic uh, look at black exploitation and kind of. Uh, back in the 70s and then in some of the more modern films that are uh, dipping into that. So uh, exciting. I love it. I love that festival. Yeah. All right. So thank you both for doing that. I appreciate it. I think that was really fun. Yay, I hope the audience enjoyed awesome. it as much as I did because I've I got, really liked it. I've got three festivals to go to now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. You can you can program them all. We'll, we'll put them up online so you can you can uh, have your own uh, you know, mini festivals at home. Uh, Absolutely. Some other way. Uh, but now let's get into the game because we have been challenged by our listeners to talk about famous hairstyles Yeesh. from movies. Yeah. Yes, we have. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure why they chose that, but hey. Well, okay. We, we so I'll tell you why. Says. Because the movie this week is the notorious Betty Page. And mm-hmm. Betty yeah, Page's hairstyle it became iconic. very iconic. Yeah. And so 
um, that was, I, I, I don't know. For me, it was like an obvious pick to go with that particular movie. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm curious to see what everyone comes up with because... Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I have I, a theme, but uh... okay, okay. <laughs> of course you do. I can't wait because, yeah, well, you'll know why when I tell you my first choice. Okay, oh, well, but there's been some foreshadowing, gentlemen. Oh, has Ooh, there? Interesting. So, oh, all right, Andy, start us off then. What was what's your first iconic hairstyle? Okay, so I, I'm going to start with the one that, like, as soon as I knew this was an option, this is like, oh, well, I have to do this one because this is. Um, I guess I'll say one of the most, uh, for me, like just one of that was like an iconic hairstyle that when it happened, like it became a thing. And um, it is Rosemary's Baby, it is Roman Polanski's oh, film from 1968. Yeah. Oh, look awesome. at that. First yeah. one out, and it's a steal. Mia Farrow's haircut. Uh, she went with the, I don't know, do you call it the pixie? Is that what that's called? I don't know. I tried. Yeah. To, I tried to know, learn all these hairstyles beforehand, so. but it's a yeah. very short haircut, and it looks great on her. I thought uh, it worked really well in context of kind of her in the film, and you know, it's a uh, speaking of devils and everything else. I mean, this is uh, actually was another potential on, for my list, but this is a film where they have some interesting neighbors who um, you know, seem to be kind of oddly involved in her life as she's going through Mm -hmm. her pregnancy and as she finds out they're giving her these drinks and all these things and it's because she actually is carrying the the child of satan who came and raped her and she thought it was a dream and it It can happen you guys it really really (laughs) happened it builds to a really powerful crazy end i love it Mm -hmm. um so i love this movie and uh yeah and the hairstyle i mean my mom had this hairstyle it was a very popular hairstyle for a while so my first pick rosemary's baby all right very nice i say do you you have have a backup mandy do you have oh i have so many you guys (laughs) so uh in in Mandy was talking about in her film festival about missing being together. And so I'm also having my own uh, missing things. And one of the things I really like to do that got taken away from me since COVID was going to conventions. So Mm. what I chose to be iconic was people that I have seen cosplaying. So all of mine are people that I've actually seen people cosplaying as. So my first one is uh, a a woman who likes to uh, change her outfits and her hairstyle to match. And so and, and so I'm going to go with Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World in 2010, oh. played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Because every time she shows up in a new scene, she has changed her hair color. Uh, so all the way through, it, it's it's one of these uh, visual things that you can see all the way through. Because that is a very video game influenced movie. So she like puts on a new outfit and has to change her hairstyle with that, and you just have to deal with it. Is what she tells Scott. <laughs> so one of my favorite movies, and I think it's a good look. It's a brilliant movie. A great movie. Yeah. So yeah. good pick. So the minute you said convention, I got scared that you were going to steal my first one. Um, and I hope I'm stealing it from one of you. But hairstyles, <laughs> Princess Leia. Oh, yeah. yes. That's nope. a steal. Right? steal. Not, That's a, steal a great, from, great choice. It's a steal it's for a me. a steal for you? Yep, you oh, look at that. Revenge yeah. is so sweet. Wow, Mandy and, and, and Andy, that, you guys are on the same page. <laughs> That's right. To be clear, not that I went to school with my hair like that. Like, it wasn't <laughs> something that we were all imitating, but the Halloween costumes oh, and yes. the bagels yeah. and the, the parody of it for years to come. Um, yeah, I, I, that was what I thought of for iconic hairstyles. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, it was definitely a pick of mine. Um, that hairstyle, yeah. I, I didn't see anyone wearing it, like you said, but it, <laughs> right. it's so iconic. Like just the whole spoof, like the whole idea of it became just so representative mm-hmm. of the character. So, 
Yep, absolutely. My second one, um, I'm going with a... Uh, this is... A, um, yeah, I guess I'll go with this one. I'm going to go with a James Bond film, 1985's Ooh. A View to a Kill. Um, oh. Grace Jones uh, has... Uh, she's got a really kind of styled haircut that's very it's it almost is it's kind of similar in a sense to what uh mia farrow was doing in my last pick it's very short but she also has it kind of like almost like kind of the the crew cut sort of thing going up on top so it's a really interesting style that i i still see kind of styles of it kind of being imitated to this day so i always was in love with what grace jones uh, like just her whole presence in this film Mm -hmm. i i was uh, fascinated and just i thought her hair was super cool um so that's my second pick a view to a kill what what is her her bondian character name um, she plays. Um, she plays Mayday. Mayday. That's it. Yeah. I knew it was like one of those not cool one name. Yeah, it's it's much better than you know, like uh, yeah, some of the yeah. later ones. Like what was uh, yeah. like Christmas, whatever. Yeah, Doctor like Christmas, Jim. Yeah, yeah or, or Denise Richards. Right? Denise yeah. Richards, exactly. Yeah, look or at you, Nicolau, now on the top. Yeah, there you go. There's a very Bondian name. Yeah. All right. So uh, my second one, uh, it's hard to go wrong when you talk about the supreme being. So my choice is Lilu from The Fifth Element, played by Mila Jovovich. Mm. She had the orange short hair. I've seen that in countless conventions of people going that men and women. And uh, there's a lot of heavyset dudes who can't pull off the Jean-Paul Gaultier, but God bless them for trying. How many of them would you say do you see trying to do the uh, Chris Tucker hair from Fifth Element? Like his, I was, he was it, my first choice, but I'm like I've never actually seen anybody pull it off. Okay, because like I was that, wondering because that certainly is another. It is really really cool. Yeah, uh, I thought that too, but uh, sort of going by my own rules there. But so if you gotcha. guys need to, if you're going to steal from each other again, you know, feel free <laughs> to take that one. This occurred to me, and. I don't know. I mean, I know it was a huge social trend at the time that this movie came out. But when you said iconic hairstyles, like I can picture it on the poster. uh, And but I I can't say that society copied her. But I think that this trend, when you when you think of Foxy Brown, Mm. you picture her gorgeous afro and. Mm -hmm. And that was such a an iconic look. And then out of nowhere, you were like, "I'm I'm doing Foxy Brown yeah. in my." But like, I think it's strange for both of us to come up with Foxy Brown in one week. No, I do. I think it shows how in sync we are, Mandy, and how iconic it was. I mean, yeah, it was yeah really, absolutely, hundred like, percent. Her look on that poster, yeah. I can still see it. So, um, yeah, Pam Greer, Foxy Brown, yeah, and even Fantastic. Black Diamond. They have somebody who has the same hair too, just because it's that iconic. So right. Yeah, very nice. All right, my final pick. I am uh, going back a little bit farther in time. I I really was trying to find some men, but I just don't think that Mm, that's something mm -hmm. where there's like the male haircut that all of a sudden inspired a trend. Like, I don't think people were going out and doing the Forrest Gump or anything. Um, (laughs) The other thing I think would be George Clooney and ER, but that's television. Well, yeah, I I, I was thinking there's some TV cut for a while, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um, But so I'm jumping back to uh, what I think when I think of like Hollywood iconic hairstyles, I, 
I feel like Veronica Lake is one who mm. always comes to mind okay. for me. And so mm-hmm. I'm looking at Sullivan's Travels, which is a fantastic comedy directed by Preston Sturges with Joel McRae as a uh, a film director who wants to do something socially relevant. Um, and so he kind of poses as a vagrant and goes a life on the road to try figuring out um, kind of what the people want in all this. And of course, in the end, what they're really wanting is just a comedy. But fantastic film. Veronica Lake is the woman that he kind of ends up with and kind of like as as kind of the the uh, person that he's kind of like hanging out with as he's this quote hobo and um it, you know her hairstyle that that look that she had where which i i don't think started in this film but it was like right around this time where she uh, her hair just kind of fell over one eye and that just became yep. the thing like so iconic mm-hmm. to do and so i just feel like that certainly is one of those iconic hairstyles that uh that came from this uh from veronica lake and in, in this era so, mm-hmm. sullivan's travels really good well, thank yeah. you as soon as you said it i could see it yep mm-hmm. yeah which is a mark oh. of a good choice all right, all right my, uh, my last one uh, then is from another comic book movie um i'm not i i guess i am different than a lot of people is that i don't really care about accuracy as much like whenever uh, they try and do something that looked exactly like it was drawn i think it fails and so uh the one i've chosen is actually they they went a completely different way with the character now uh, this character is actually from marvel comics and had been traditionally drawn as a very skinny white woman but instead they cast a regular size black woman in the role and it's domino from deadpool and she instead of having a very slicked down dark hair she has natural hair like she basically has her hair is completely huge and flowing and everything and it has a is a great great look totally different than the character and yet she played that character amazingly well Uh, so zazzy beats as domino very fun Okay, um, my last choice, and then I have several alts, but my last choice is just personal. It's It has, I don't know if it was truly iconic, but I know that I emulated this hair from the time I was in like third grade when this movie came out all the way through high school. And I still wish I could achieve the hair of Michelle Pfeiffer as Stephanie Zanoni in Grease 2. Oh, wow. She had the Grease feathery bangs. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I cool it, maybe it's, it's just a personal thing. She is my personal icon. Maybe not, you know, it didn't sweep the nation, but I think it did because all the girls were cutting our bangs and we were all like trying to get them to feather and I was chewing gum with my mouth open. All these things that Stephanie Zanoni did and made look so good and to this day, I would kill to look like Michelle Pfeiffer for just a minute. So there it is. I like that Stephanie there's a Zanoni, personal Grease element too. to that one. Yeah. Good choice. <laughs> Aren't they working on a Grease prequel series? Oh, geez. I no Didn't I idea. hear that? Oh, I yeah, I, I think they are. I think they're trying to do a, a television series like the <laughs> preceding it. Uh, we'll see awesome. how it goes. Uh, hey, all right. So that was, that was, that was our list. And just so, to confirm, yours was Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2. Right. Yes. Yeah, okay. All right, so uh, then now it's time to pick the list for next week. So next week uh, is the first in a brand new series. It's the Stephen King a la Darabont series. That's right. <laughs> and uh, it's from the iconic <laughs> TBS classic, The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Between sure that and TNT, that I think it's in heavy T- rotation. Yeah, uh, uh, even with all I'd say. So that, that uh, is the next one coming up. So we need to do on that. Now, I actually had already thought of one when I heard Shawshank Redemption, and it's not on the list. So oh, my pick please. I'm going to say right now is 
characters in movies listening to music. My favorite scene mm. in Shawshank is when they're actually playing the opera and everyone's listening to it. So not not needle drops, not like when like the, a cool song or a great soundtrack. When characters in the movie are listening to the music, does it count if they're like at a concert, or would it need to be yeah, like sure. a record or something? I, I was thinking. I, think I was thinking a more like for sure. You're listening in headphones or listening on record, like basically playing. Yeah, I would say that. I pre-recorded, I guess we're going to say that. So like characters who are listening to music. I like it. That's an interesting one. Yeah, because I already thought of like two or three, just that was what I was thinking about it. Yeah, I can think of a couple already. So cool. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Mandy? That's my first one. You have seen Um, Shawshank Redemption? Oh, yes. Many times. I think it's it's required. (laughs) Yeah, it's an incredible film. I like, uh, I'm, I'm checking out this list. Mm-hmm. It wrongfully convicted seems to on the nose to me. Ominous prisons. Is there any other kind? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great movie voiceover. So broad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, my eye goes right to iconic movie pinups, perhaps because of Andy talking about mm-hmm. Veronica Lake. Mm-hmm. But okay. the, you know, I, th- I feel like they play a role for a lot of characters in a lot of films. So, and, you know. No one put like the Farrah Fawcett, but like there could be <laughs> lots of different iconic movie pinups. It doesn't even say that they have to be these ladies that are mentioned here. Oh, from no, no, they, yeah, they're just Shawshank. Right, exactly. Iconic movie pinups. I like that one. Okay. And now does I, I does it need to be, I guess it doesn't necessarily need to be just women. I mean, it could be, I'm thinking of like some mm-hmm. iconic pic- pictures of men that seem yeah. iconic so, from particular films. So I like are, are, these, are these about the actresses who are also famous pinups or is it about like having a poster of the person in the yeah, movie? Yeah, the pinup is in the movie the way oh, okay, it is. That, that, that's what I yeah, like Raquel Welch just in, so people know. 10,000 years BC or yeah. whatever that one was. I, I yeah. can think of a couple. I don't want to give them away to no, no, make yeah, it easier just, for those fools. Exactly. Uh, right. no, I'm but, just pulling from the ones that are in Shawshank. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just thinking, yep. uh, is it about the person who's on the picture or you mean an actual picture in the movie? I would say it's kind of one that comes from the film. Like, because I, otherwise a, I think it's hard to, a you know, poster slash picture slash billboard right, where it's like you you're hanging that up. It represents the movie and it represents that that actor in the role. OK. And it's you're drawn to it. I think that's what makes the movie pin up, you know, such a draw anyway. Right. OK. Yeah. I say I just wanted, wanted to clarify. So yeah. when, they, when they listen to the episode, Absolutely. they know what they're doing. So, yeah. So what, what jumps out to you, Andy? You know, there's a lot of uh, potential directions that you can take with Shawshank but I love the idea of making a run for the border um, mm, and mm-hmm. so I'm going to say I'm going to say fleeing to Mexico or just yeah I well I should I specifically say Mexico actually run for the border is a pretty yeah, let's good just say run for the border right yeah make a run for the okay. border okay there it is Okay, those are, so those are, uh, those are list so we've got yeah. character listening to music iconic pinups and run for the border so those things so love it so now you're saying to yourself, hey, fashion plates, I like the cut of your lapels. How can a fashion disaster like myself get involved? An excellent question. If you navigate your browser over to nextreel.com slash membership and sign up for a mere $1 a month, you can become a one reeler and get access to our Discord server. And hey, that shirt looks good on you. But wait, you say, what say I want to do more and also get a little something for myself? Well, you stunning supermodel, if you up your monthly donation, you can ascend to two-reeler status, where you'll be able to watch live streams as we record, like this one, plus get early access to new episodes of our shows in exclusive private podcast feed. Plus, we'll provide you behind-the-scenes catwalk access to the super-secret member channels on Discord, like the sample sale of all sample sales, the Show Talk channel. 
What's so important about the Show Talk channel? I'm glad you asked, trendsetter. If you'd like to vote in next week's poll, the only place you can do so is on that Show Talk channel. Monthly schmonthly, you say. I'm dressed to the nines, custom tailored, and lapels on everything. I want to help with you with your own makeover. Then good news. You can now give us an annual donation for any level. It's convenient. It's affordable. It's good for your soul. And because enough is never enough, and you've patiently listened to all this self-promotion, here's a glimpse at next season's catalog. If you go to nextreel.com slash letterboxed, you can upgrade your letterboxed account to pro or patron with a 20% off discount. But, you trilby-wearing hipster, I've already upgraded my Letterboxd account. Well, you're in luck. The discount also works for renewals. Give a little, give a little. It's the only way 2021 is going to work for all of us. And that's our show! Thank you for listening along. Mandy, can you give us a sneak peek of what the next Mandemic Mondays have in store for us? Yes, well, I am now doing it with uh, the incredible Megan Parlin because Mandy Fabian is off making her feature film. And Megan and I... Megan, Mandy's stand-in, Megan and I reviewed the movie The Stand-In on Netflix. Very nice. Starring Drew Barrymore. That episode drops Monday and then this weekend we're going to watch Searching for Sheila, which is Hmm. the follow-up doc from Wild Wild Country. Sheila was the one who helped bring down that cult, the Rajneesh cult. Oh, nice. Very you guys are looking at me like, what is she talking about? I'm making I'm it all up. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Andy, when are we going to hear your dulcet tones next? Well, uh, obviously, we're, we've got our the main show with, um, let's see, the Notorious Betty Page just went live. We've got the Shawshank Redemption coming out next week with some special guests, which we're very excited about. And uh, this weekend, I'm actually doing another film board episode with, uh, with uh, a couple of our uh, hosts. And we're going to be talking about Stowaway, one of the Ooh, new films on Netflix. Netflix space thriller. Yes, should be fun. Should be a good one, yeah. Uh, I just recently released another Take 10 about director's cuts. Uh, it's out there. I'm not exactly sure where, but it's out there in the Next Real <laughs> family of podcasts. It's in the ether. Uh, Marvel Movie Minute is up and running. We are finally hit Monaco, and uh, we're going to finally see a supervillain show up in the next couple episodes. Uh, so you don't want to miss those. So thank you all for listening. Uh, stay subscribed. Do all the things. Uh, we Thank you all for listening. And be back here next week for the next Saturday matinee. Nuff said. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. 
If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.